Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you were reading? He replied, how can I unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus as he was passing through the region. He proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Connor, and choir, and also the Roberts who sang this morning. Um, we have amazing, amazing music, and I'm so, so grateful. Friends, I want to tell you a quick story about one of the toughest years of my life so far, uh, and it was sixth grade. And just so I know, are there any sixth graders in here? Any, anybody, any sixth graders? Okay. Really quick, has anybody been in sixth grade before? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Now, I had the pleasure of attending sixth grade in a brand new middle school with none of my previous friends. Uh, we had just moved to a new town, so I knew nobody. Um, uh, my whole elementary school career of friends and community, all the deep conversations I shared with my buddies at lunch, uh, my Jurassic Park lunchbox and thermos days, my playground reputation and kickball, all of it was gone in an instant. And that year in sixth grade, I felt for the first time, I felt what it was to be really alone, to be left out, to have no friends with no prospects around the corner. And as happens sometimes, a few kids in particular made sure that I would continue to feel that way. Now, I was never beaten up. I never uh, made a time at the playground, 3 p.m., to go meet somebody back there. I, a few guys, though, took it upon themselves to find an easy target, make sure that I continued to feel isolated, feel alone. One of those kids in particular was ready for me every morning in a homeroom. We would sit in our assigned seats, waiting for the first bell to ring, and with a very limited vocabulary, 
He would tell me what he thought about me. He didn't even know me. <laughs> but as it goes sometimes, he would say things to me, and I think I started to believe him a little bit. I don't know if that's happened to you. That year was hard because I had a strong desire to make friends and to find community, to be a part of the group. But some folks wanted to make sure I remained disconnected. And lucky for us, we did have a church. My father was a minister, so we were immediately plugged in. And I'll tell you a little bit about that later on. But I'll never forget the feeling not being included, of having no community, of being afraid to go to school because I couldn't fit in and I didn't know what to do next. And if, I'm, if I were a betting man, I'd bet that more than some of you have been made to feel that way at some point in your life, alone in a crowded room, like no one around you really cares or wants to involve you, let alone embrace you. <laughs> I wonder if you felt that way at work or at school. Growing up recently, or God forbid, here at church, I hope to God you haven't felt that way here. See, I tend to believe that all of us have this deep desire to belong somewhere. <laughs> I think each of us has this deep hope of being a part of something bigger than ourselves, this desire to live in community with others. Kathy Lurzel says this, we are created for Eden and we're marked by the harm of the fall. So our bodies understand what perfect love looks like. Our bodies understand what perfect attunement looks like, feels like, which is why good attunement is so sweet and rupture so devastating. What is she saying? We're designed for community, for connection, which is why disconnection feels so wrong. And if at some point in our lives we suffer disconnection or discommunion, what do we seek? We seek healing, and healing really can only occur in reconnection, in recommunion, and in that connection to community, we experience a wholeness. And that's the focus of our story today. It was weird. I just looked that way and nobody was there. <laughs> Today we find ourselves once again in the book of Acts. And we're told by Luke that a certain man is on his way back from Jerusalem, having just worshipped and praised the one God, the God of the Israelites, and he is reading Hebrew scripture. We also know that he's from Ethiopia. He's a foreigner, a Gentile, and a eunuch, part of the court of the queen. And he's in charge of her entire treasury. So, of all the gods at that time, everywhere, what is he doing worshiping the Israelite God at the temple in Jerusalem? <laughs> well, it could be that like others in that day, he was growing tired with all the different gods in Roman culture. It's a lot to keep up with. And he found relief in one. <laughs> or perhaps he was never really connected to a community. He had his job, he had a good living, but he was never connected to something and I bet he found something special in this specific religion. Either way, our Ethiopian friend has begun to connect to the community in Israel. Of course, if you were born a Jew, you were pretty much automatically part of the community. <laughs> but for Gentiles, it wasn't automatic. There were a few ways to enter into that community. And there were terms to describe this. You were either a God-fearer or a proselyte. A God-fearer was a Gentile who was partly connected to the community. They worshipped God, but they didn't, they didn't want to jump through all the hoops. Some of it seemed a little invasive, and so they thought, no, I'll, I'll keep a little bit of distance. But a proselyte was a Gentile who decided to become fully involved in the community, and they had to jump through a lot of things to do that, involving circumcision, baptism, sacrifice, but they were fully connected. Now, the eunuch in our passage was probably not 
a fully connected member of this community. He had high political standing in a foreign court, but eunuchs were scorned and stigmatized members of society because they were not whole. In the Greek world, a eunuch was derided as a half-man, and in the Jewish world, the eunuch was an alien, lacking wholeness, without circumcision, and the ability of procreation, but it wasn't just a societal thing, it was a biblical thing. Biblical law did not approve of eunuchs in the holy priesthood, but more importantly, the law kept eunuchs from involvement and full connection with the covenant community. Deuteronomy 23.1 says, and this is probably what Connor was talking about earlier, no one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. Thus, we see a man likely could never be, this man could never be a complete member of Judaism because of his current physical state. Thus, at some point in his life, he was physically cut. And so according to the law of Moses, he was cut from full life in the community. I'm reminded, it's interesting, I'm reminded of the ways we still do that today with our words. I'm reminded of my sixth grade, sixth grade years, how people still want to cut people with words or language. We find interesting ways to give ourselves group identity. We cut ourselves with words, with language, with violence. We see this in shootings. We see this in war. We see this in Ukraine. And we even learn some, sometimes to cut ourselves down from the inside through self-esteem, shame, depression, and anxiety, sometimes within our control and sometimes not. And after a while, if we're not careful, sometimes we even believe the things we tell ourselves, that we are unworthy that we indeed should be cut from a community. We're not good enough. I wonder if the eunuch in this story struggles with things like that, with self-esteem, with feelings of unworthiness. Maybe he judges himself harshly. Maybe after all his experience in the world, he still feels incomplete, unwhole. I wonder if, if he desires wholeness. And maybe, just maybe, that's why he's interested in the God of Israel. After all, and we've talked about this the past couple of weeks, the God of Israel is in the business of wholeness, of making things complete. And maybe he's reading scripture to dig deeper and to find out it, there may be a chance I could be more deeply connected to this community. Maybe there's a loophole in there somewhere, something that means I might finally have wholeness and the opportunity for community that I've not had and healing. <laughs> so here comes Philip who stumbles upon this man on the way to Gaza, and he overhears him reading a passage from Isaiah, reading from Isaiah 53. And you heard it earlier. As a sheep led to the slaughter, or a lamb before its shearer is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken up from the earth. And Philip asks a simple question. Philip says, do you get it? Do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, how can I? I'm going to need some help. I need a guide. And the eunuch asks who this scripture is about. <laughs> and I imagine that's the thing Philip's been wanting to hear. I imagine Philip thinks to himself, I know a guy. <laughs> and Philip tells him about Jesus. And I wonder, the scripture doesn't tell us a whole lot, but I wonder what else Philip tells him. I wonder how he tells him about Jesus. If, if I had been Philip, 
I probably would have recounted the stories of the crucifixion, the resurrection, of seeing Jesus after his death, after his burial. I probably would have told him that the Spirit had come down upon us in flame and fire, and we were able to communicate the news of Jesus Christ and the resurrection to all who would hear it. Maybe if I were Philip, I would have told him that. I don't know. Or maybe if I were Philip, I would have continued to share other things from Isaiah, other prophecies of Christ. Isaiah 50, that Christ was spat and struck. Isaiah 52, that he was disfigured by suffering. Isaiah 53, that Christ would be our substitute. Maybe I would have shared those other prophecies. Or maybe, if I'd been Philip, I would have told my new friend to read read a little further on. Don't stop at Isaiah 53. Keep reading. Read 54. Now read 55. Now, now get Isaiah 56. Read that. Read that passage too. Maybe I would have told him to read Isaiah 56. This is what it says. Do not let the foreigner joined to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane it and hold fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. Maybe I would have read him that. And maybe if I'd been Philip, I might have said something like, Brother, the time that Isaiah is talking about, The coming time when God will give to the eunuchs who are loyal to him a better name than sons and daughters. The coming time when God will give to the eunuchs an enduring name that will not be removed. The coming time when God will bring the alien to the holy mountain and bring him joy. The coming time when God will accept your sacrifices. The coming time when God gathers the outcasts and reconnects them to the community. The coming time when God grants divided and fractured groups a togetherness in one body and brings all of them to that holy mountain, that time is now. And the one who is responsible, the vehicle, the redeemer, the reconciler, is the man we call Jesus. Maybe if I had been Philip, I might have said something like that. I don't know. But maybe Philip did. Because the next thing you know, the eunuch jumps up and says, baptize me. Purify me, I repent, incorporate me into the body of Christ and grant me new life. And finally, this man who has been left out since the day he was cut, he's received into the whole sacred story of God's new covenant with all of humanity. Finally, this man has found a community to be a part of. This eunuch has been incorporated into God's covenant. He is connected to the community. And a sudden feeling of wholeness, 
a realization of communion and a wave of healing occurs. Carl Townsend says that all healing is first a healing of the heart. Philip tells his friend about Jesus, about the one who runs out to meet us and embrace us. The Ethiopian eunuch says, I need that. And the man is connected and he is now part of something bigger than himself. Friends, that's healing. That's reconciliation. It's a restoration of a relationship that was broken. And in that restoration, there is renewed wholeness, a renewed togetherness, and there is healing. True healing begins through God and in community, in connection with one another, in belonging and holding each other accountable. Poet Wendell Berry says, says this, healing is impossible in loneliness. It is the opposite of loneliness. Friendship is healing. To be healed, we must come with all the other creatures to the feast of creation. I told you earlier about sixth grade. <laughs> if there are any fifth or fourth graders in here, I'm, I'm sorry, it, sixth grade, it's going to be okay. <laughs> In the midst of that year, I remember I ended up at a youth group event. Kids all ages, 6th or 12th grade, were there. I was so intimidated. I was alone. I was scared. It was already going to be a tough year, and now I was alone at a church. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. I knew it would probably be okay. I remember I showed up to an event. I didn't know a whole lot of people, and I sat down by myself, and the youth director came up to me. <laughs> And he talked to me for a moment, and then he grabbed one of the older kids, one of the ninth graders. And he introduced me, Andrew, this is Keegan, Keegan, this is Andrew. Then he looked at Keegan, and he said, Andrew's new, and I need you to look after him. And at first, especially as an 11-year-old, I can take care of myself, it felt patronizing. It felt like he was asking this guy to be a babysitter. And then as the evening went along, I got to know him better, I got to know more people. We laughed, we had fun, we grew to know each other. And I left feeling like I had people. I don't know if you've ever had an event like that where you just leave and you know you, you got a new group of friends. I was no longer alone. And years later, as Keegan and I remained friends, we were in each other's wedding. We, we talked regularly. I, I have since realized what the youth director meant when he asked Keegan to look after me. What he actually was saying is this, this kid is part of our community now. What he was actually saying was, this kid is home. I want to be a church like that. <laughs> Where lonely people come in and find community. Where everyone who begins to connect to the body and discover God's work in their lives begins to feel a sense of healing from the loneliness that they may have previously felt. Where everyone who comes to know you comes to know Jesus and comes to know that they are home. Friends, in, in togetherness, in connection, in community, there is healing. And in the connection to God and to the church, we, we are no longer alone. And then that's our mission, right? We're sent into the world by God to heal the world back to God. God is trying to reconcile the world back to him. And that is both a future reality and a present focus. The coming time is now. The time when God gathers the aliens, the outcasts, the eunuchs is now. For we all share a deep down desire to be a part of something bigger. And in Christ we see its ultimate fulfillment. May God lead you from this place with a heart for the outcast 
And may God lead you into the world with a desire to welcome the outcast into a body that's doing its best to connect with one another, to connect with God and to heal the divide within ourselves, within each other and all of humanity. That is our mission. And that's my hope. May you welcome people in such a way into this body that they know that we are home. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you have welcomed a bunch of sinners into your holy plan of salvation for this world. You have called us worthy and you have invited us in to a partnership with you You've invited us to be the body of Christ in the world, the hands and feet of Jesus. God, use us. May this world know Jesus. May this world know salvation. May this this world know a holy and heavenly embrace. And may this world come to know where their home is. Be with us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.